The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This is something that I have for us today, and it's, it's, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge for me. I, I really thought about this a lot because um, today is one of those days where you just, if, if you brought a guest with you today, it's one of those days you're going, oh, no, not today. Oh, I brought a guest. He's going to talk about that. And, um, a good friend of mine, Mike, um, Mike Hogeboom, and uh, he, you know, he, he shared his testimony, which I found out later, but, but he, he'd always been to churches and they'd talk about money and he just hated it. It was always talk about money, 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 give your money, give your money, give your money. And so his wife came to our church and she said, oh, it's not like that. It's not like that. They don't talk about money there. It's just, it's totally different. You're just going to love it. So he shows up with his wife the very first Sunday and what's the topic? <laughs> money. And so... This is the taboo subject. This is the one subject that people absolutely do not want to hear about. And nobody thinks they have greed. I mean, would anybody raise their hands? Yeah, I struggle with greed. That's, that's my big sin. Nobody thinks they have greed. Nobody wants to be accused of greed. And, and people don't want to talk about money. Let's just talk about Jesus and love. And let's hate it. I personally am disgusted by what I see on TV, Christian TV. I mean, it, it really, really is disturbing what you see out there and what different churches, even in our own community, of how they are um, distorting the gospel. They are... Uh, pastors in it just for the money. They have the biggest house in the church. They have a big mansion. They drive a $100,000 Range Rover. You know, they've got a, a, a ski house at Vail. And, you know, and they're, you know, if you come to Jesus, give your heart to Jesus, he'll make you rich. And so they preach that gospel and Sure, I mean, I'll come to Jesus if I'm going to be rich. If he's going to make me rich, sign me up. Yeah, I want that Jesus. And so that's the Jesus they preach, and they gather thousands of people. But who's the one guy getting rich? It's the guy preaching it. And it'll start the service off with a little bit of music and then get right into talking about money and money, 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 and then, and then maybe a little sermon, which is about money, and then we take an offering 30 minutes, which is about money. And the whole thing is just incredibly disturbing because that is not the gospel. That is not what Jesus was about. Jesus talked about money a lot, but he didn't do it so that he could have a big mansion in Jerusalem, okay, or drive the nicest chariot or whatever they had. <laughs> and I think most reasonable people understand that, right? They look at that and they go, that's wrong. There's something wrong with that. 
That's not right. And I don't like being lumped in with that crowd. You know, I, I, I feel ashamed to be thought of as somebody like that. I don't want to be thought of as a greedy, money-grabbing preacher just trying to get rich, you know, and we don't work at all during the week. We just sit around and play golf and spend your money. And I don't want to be thought of that way. I want to be thought of as a man of prayer, a godly man, a man who loves Jesus. I don't want to be associated my who I am with what I own. And that's, that's how they do it. And it's very successful. They say that if the more you have, the more wealth you have, the bigger the house, the nicer the cars, the more you have, the more God is blessing you. That all your wealth is proof that God approves of you and he loves you. Well, that is an absolute distortion of the truth. That is not how it works. Do you know who is out promising wealth and money? The devil. The devil came to Jesus and he said, hey, if you'll just serve me, I'll give you all the wealth you could imagine. He's the one selling that, not Jesus. Did Jesus come up to any single person, one, even just one person, and say, hey, if you'll just give me some bucks, I'll, you'll be healed. You know, pay a big offering and your son will be healed. Not once. But Jesus did say some radical things about money. <laughs> he did. And we, need, we can't ignore that. So let's pray because I would like to attack some strongholds about money today. And hopefully, the Holy Spirit will get a hold of our hearts and we'll begin thinking biblically about money rather than all the other ways that we think about it. Okay, let's think the way, think about it the way God wants us to think about it and handle our money the way God wants us to handle it and be people who are godly people. Let's be that, okay? So let's pray, ask for God's help. We need a tremendous amount of help from him today. Father in heaven, you know how I've struggled with this talk today. And you know the conflict and the tension within my own heart. Because I never want the ministry at Canyon Ridge to be about money. And I never want any single pastor or leader in our church to get rich off of our church. Lord, keep us right close next to you with our focus on you and bringing you glory. But Lord, there are some strongholds that have gotten a hold of us and have crept into the church, and those can only be broken today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, they will only be broken if you break them. And so I'm asking for a miracle today, Father, a miracle 
that for every person who is willing and open, open their heart to receive, that you would then show them the truth of your word. For everyone here who has eyes to see and is willing to see, Lord, show them the truth of your word today. Cause them to be changed and never again the same. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the series is called Uncommon, right? And these are common things that you should be doing, but that you're probably not. So these are for Christians. These are for disciples of Jesus. So if you're not a Christian today, ah, you're off the hook, man. It's easy sailing for you today. But what's cool about it is you get to see what the expectations are of being a Christian because these are the baseline expectations. These are the minimum starting point expectations that God has of all disciples. These are the things that he expects you to do. These are not things that he wants you to aspire to or dream to become or shoot for one day. No, these are the things you start immediately you start right away. You get to work on these things. These are the minimum requirements. So this is for everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Nobody is off the hook on these. You want to be a follower of Christ. He wants to see this in your life. And that's what these are. And we've been going through all of the different ones from week to week. And so today is uncommon stewardship. You know, there's some notes area on your program. You might want to take some of these down today to help you remember. Just mention that on, on your back of your program there. I see this like us, a group of soldiers, and we need to take a fortified hill. So there, the enemy is up at the top of this hill. This thing is fortified, tons of barriers and roadblocks to get to the top, and God has charged us with the task of breaking through each barrier to get to the top to take over the stronghold. I see that's what we're doing today. That's what's happening right now as we go through this. And so I and my hope and my prayer is to lead us through these different barriers this morning. The first question I have is, why even talk about money and godliness in the same sentence? Why bring those up together? I mean, why talk about money in the church? Why, what, is, what does godliness have to do with money? It's a great question. Well, actually, it has quite a lot. Jesus connected these two in his teachings. He connected godliness with money. He put the two together, and he said essentially that one affects the other. So your giving, giving of your money to the church, is directly connected to your godliness. And your godliness is directly connected to your giving. The two affect each other. They are, in fact, a spiritual issue. Money is very 
spiritual. And so if you're going to progress as a follower of Christ, if you're going to develop any kind of godliness, you must address this issue in your life. You've got to take a look at it. You've got to train yourself. Remember first week, those of you who've been around for, for, the, for this whole series, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Remember, it says this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. In every area of your life, godliness is relevant and important and makes a difference. It holds promise for the present life, so my day-to-day -day living, as well as my life throughout eternity, the life to come. So, when we're talking about money, we are also talking about godliness. And I'm going to tell you how. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. Take a look at this. Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith, and such people are worse than unbelievers. Now, this is an incredible statement. The Apostle Paul is tying together these two concepts. He's putting together providing for your family and the, the, uh, the proof of your salvation. The test of whether or not you are a true follower of Christ, one test is whether or not you provide for your family. Now, he's not talking about poverty. He's talking about somebody who doesn't provide for their family because they're lazy or they're dishonest or they're stealing or they waste money or they're a poor manager of money, overspending, huge debt. Okay, so you get the idea. That's what we're talking about. He says, you, if you do that and you're in the, in the house of God, you are worse than somebody who doesn't even know these things because the world knows already you're supposed to care for your family. You don't need the Bible to know that. Go anywhere in the world. Everybody knows if you've got a family, you're supposed to take care of them. So if you don't do it, you are denying the faith. And you're worse than an unbeliever. Christians are held to a higher standard. We see in this text that managing money and godliness, they intersect in the human heart. They come together, they relate to one another like jam and peanut butter. Essentially, God is watching how every penny is spent. So let's go after the first stronghold. This, I believe, is the biggest one. This is uh, the one that the devil is the most concerned about and, and the, the highest wall, the biggest barrier, the most difficult, difficult truth to convey to, to the point where people believe it is stronghold number one, and that is this. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. Well, that was terrible. Okay, come on, everybody. So close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Let it out slowly. 
All right, here it is. Stronghold number one, God owns everything you own. God owns everything you own. 1 Corinthians 10, 26, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's actually quoting from Psalm 24 in verse 1. Exodus 19, all the earth is mine. Job 41, 11, whatever is under the whole of heavens is mine. God owns everything because he's God and he made it. It belongs to him, even you. Everything belongs to God. So what that means is you are just a manager of the things you have. You're a manager. Christian term we use is steward. Okay? So we're not calling you managers. You're stewards. Right? We are managing God's stuff. All his stuff, all of his money were managed. You say, well, wait a minute, pal. Wait a minute. (laughs) I work hard for that money. God doesn't get up every morning and go to the office. I do. My blood, sweat, and tears. I work hard for that money. And you're telling me it's not mine? Yes. That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) Is that air you're breathing? (laughs) Who gave you the ability to get up and go to work? You ever have back pain? I mean, I hope you haven't. I hope you haven't. But if you've ever had back pain before... You know how unbelievably debilitating that is. I mean, if you get back pain, you're just like, I'm done. Okay? You are done. You cannot do anything. And it's amazing as you get older how easy it is. Your back goes out more than you do. (laughs) Who gave you the strength to get up and go to work? That home or that apartment that you're currently living in, you think is yours? It isn't. It's God's house. He owns that. The tree that's in your backyard that you bought and that you planted and that you've been watering, that's God's tree. The grass that's in your yard that you mow, that is God's grass. The car that you drove to get here today is God's car. The clothes that you are currently wearing are not your clothes They are God's clothes. The food that's in your refrigerator isn't your food. It's God's food. The furniture that you sit on in your house is not your furniture. It is God's furniture. The money that is in your wallet right now is not your money. It is God's money. But you don't believe that. You don't believe that, and I'll tell you how I know you don't believe that is because you don't act like that. You think it's yours. Deep, deep down inside the bottom, you believe it's all yours. You got it. It's yours. I mean, we're taught that from being two years old, aren't we? What does a two-year-old always say to his sibling? Mine, yeah. Mine. You're not taking mine. It's deep with inside of us. 
This isn't our, our church. This isn't mine church. I don't own this building. I don't own this church. This is God's church, and I'm a steward of it. So God expects me to take care of the place, to be a good leader, to be a good shepherd, to love you. God expects me to handle his stuff well. He expects that of me. What happens to all of your stuff when you die? That house that you're currently living in becomes somebody else's house. And now when you were living there, you said it was your house. Now they're living there and they're saying it's their house. What about those clothes that you're wearing? Those clothes are going to the goodwill, man. Or in the garbage. Those clothes that you're wearing that you say are yours, somebody else is going to be wearing saying they're theirs. That beautiful blouse that you bought, that you love so much, pretty soon is going to be somebody else's beautiful deal they got at the Salvation Army. The things you have, you have them temporarily you have them for a little while the only way you can keep your stuff forever is to give it to God let me prove it Matthew 6 19 through 21 this is Jesus talking it's the famous sermon on the mount Jesus is teaching he says don't store up treasure here on earth you understand what treasure is is your stuff, right? Okay. So don't collect stuff here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Such amazing truth right here, Pac, that's coming out of Jesus. He's literally saying that if I give something to God, it waits for me in heaven. Right? That's what he said. I store up my stuff in heaven. Collect stuff for heaven. You know, people don't understand this principle. They're going to show up there in heaven and to get their stuff, and Peter's going to go, uh, well, here it is. Where is it? Well, that's all you gave. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> you just made it. Or is he going to say, here, look at this, all this that you gave, a million dollars in your lifetime, because all you did was tithe. So that stuff waits for you in heaven. It's yours, and we're going to use that to give to God to bless him. And unless you stop thinking that all of your stuff is yours, your godliness is going to be hindered. You're going to stunt your growth. You're going to be stuck at that first level until you start believing that you are just a steward 
and that you are just given charge for this. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. Until you believe that, you will only go so far spiritually. And I'm going to prove that in a moment, okay? We'll come back to that. But let me say this first. Giving is an act of worship. And I think we, we miss it. We miss that somehow, you know, in our thinking. Giving worship? Giving to me is like paying the IRS. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> Giving is like paying an electric bill. I'd rather not. <laughs> I like the electric, but I don't want to pay for it. I mean, which of you would say, oh, worship is just so hard? <laughs> Anybody? It's just, oh, it's just so difficult. I just, it's, I, don't, I don't like to worship God. Anybody say that? Anybody think that? Does anybody say, well, I can't worship Jesus because I just don't trust him? Is that how we think? Well, if giving is worship, then I guess the answer is yes. That is how we think. Mm, maybe worship isn't what it should be. You're missing out on something. We worship God because we love him and he's worthy of our worship, right? We worship him because he's worthy. How much more he is worthy of our stuff. He is worthy of that as well. It is worship. And we need to keep that in mind. Remember that. You know, if you give online, then when that bucket comes around, just say a quick prayer. Say, Lord, thank you that I was able to give online and I worship you with my gift and pass the bucket on. You know, it's worship. All right, stronghold number two. Whether you got through that or not, I don't know, but we got to move on. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is worship. Look at Philippians 4.16. We've been reading Philippians 2 all week long, and eventually we'll get to 4. But at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So the Apostle Paul is talking about how they put together an offering to help his ministry, and it was a sacrificial offering, and it was worship. It was a pleasing aroma that pleased the heart of God. A sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. God delighted in their giving. He loved it. They worshiped God with their sacrificial giving. So giving is worship. Number three, third stronghold is this. Giving should always be sacrificial and generous. Always. Always. Why? Now, why does, why does God teach that giving should be sacrificial and, and generous? It should, it should hurt to give. Why? Why does he say that? Because that's what honors the Lord. Okay? Think about it in your giving to another person. On Joy and I... Uh, celebrated our, what was it? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble now. <laughs> it was a 27 years anniversary. On our 15th anniversary, so 27 wonderful years 
amazing woman. Um, on our 15-year anniversary, I planned a secret trip to Venice and England. And so she didn't know about it. And so I had it all worked out so that on our anniversary, we were on this gondola, in this gondola, this is those long, funny boats. And this dude was standing there, you know, with his thing, singing Italian love songs as the sun was setting, as we're going through the canals in Venice. And I pulled out a three-diamond ring, past, present, and future, and handed her the diamond ring and said, Honey, I love you so much. The last 15 years has been so amazing. Will you continue with me from here? And she cried, and we kissed, and it was a wonderful moment. I'll never forget that. You too? She said, yeah. She said, yeah. What was right about that, what was right is that I honored her with all my forethought and planning and thinking and sacrifice. I worked so hard to get the money to buy that ring and all of that, it honored her. What if it went like this? What if we were not in a gondola, we were in a rowboat? And we weren't in Italy, we were on Spanaway Lake. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't sunset, and there ain't nobody singing. And I pulled out a Twinkie, <laughs> and I said, hey, darling, it's been rough, but I'll stick around if you want me to. I think she would have tossed the Twinkie and then me. Because that doesn't honor her. You get the point? I mean, that doesn't honor her at all. And sometimes we dishonor God with our gifts because it didn't cost us a thing. You know, we just chip in something and yeah, whatever, here it is. I don't want to appear greedy or stingy, so I'll throw in $5. And you dishonor the Lord with that. It dishonors him. That should never happen. Giving should be generous. It should be sacrificial. That's what honors the Lord. It matters how we give to God because he's worthy. He held nothing back from us and he gave everything he had. And that was the example. That's what he laid out right for us. That's what he did for you. And you're going to give him some token gift? No, 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 no. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5, the apostle Paul talked about how the Macedonian church was so incredibly poor, but that they gave a generous and sacrificial offering. They gave money they didn't have. In other words, they couldn't take care of their own needs. They gave to Paul sacrificially, going without to give. That doesn't happen very often, I'm afraid. 
You don't see a whole lot of that kind of giving. They had to go without in order to give to Paul and to his ministry. And in doing so, they demonstrated their great love for Jesus. God was pleased. God promised in his word that if you give sacrificially to him, you will never regret it. See, I think that's what goes through our minds. I can't give a big amount to God, maybe some money I've been saving. I can't do that because I'll regret it later, right? And I don't want to regret it. I'll regret not having that extra big TV I was going to buy. Or I'll regret it. can't go on that great vacation we were going to go on. I'll regret it. Well, God says that if you do that kind of giving, if you give sacrificially like that and generously, then there will be no regret whatsoever. God will make sure that after you give your gift, you will feel blessed, delighted, joyful. Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. No regret. You give the gift, your heart is full, and you're so glad. You're so grateful you had the opportunity. When you are giving money to Canyon Ridge Church, you're not giving money to me. You're not giving money to the group of pastors You're not giving money to open Bible. You're not giving money to an organization. You're giving to Jesus. We're giving money to Jesus. It's an act of worship. We're saying we love him. Give to Jesus. Stronghold number four. Our giving reflects our spiritual trustworthiness. Luke chapter 16, Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. Listen to this. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you, will be, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and also be enslaved to money. It's not that you shouldn't, it's that it's impossible. It's impossible to serve God and love money at the same time. Notice verse 11. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, so the way you manage your finances, you get your paycheck, the way you manage that, if you are untrustworthy with that, then who will trust you with true riches of heaven? That's the godliness piece. It's a rhetorical question. God will not entrust to you godliness 
if you have not learned how to be generous in your giving. If you handle the money that God gives you poorly, he will deem you untrustworthy to handle spiritual things. He won't give it to you. You're not faithful. He He won't bless you with that. It'd be like this. Let's say a guy owned a company and he didn't have any heirs. The company was successful. They, they build electronics. They, they build iPads for Apple. Very successful company. He has no children, no heir, and so he, he picks his most faithful employee, and he says, you know, I'm going to test this employee. I'll give him a little piece of the company to manage, and if he does a really great job with that, I'll give him the whole company. But he doesn't tell the employee that. He says to the guy, I want you to manage this department over here. Let's see how you do with that. So he gives him that department, and he manages it well, and the guy's so pleased at how he did, a great attitude, you did a good job. Here, now you get the whole company. It's all yours. But what if? What if he got his little section, and he thought, oh, man, I, I deserve more than that. You know? I can't, I, he didn't see that. Don't see the big picture and just say, well, you know what? I'm just going to, he's going to give me this piece. I'll just take it easy. I'm the big man now. I'll do what I want. And he does a terrible job managing that little piece. Is that owner going to give him the company? No. No. You failed. You failed. Thank God that the Lord gives us other opportunities to learn. (laughs) Because we fail all the time on this. But we are managing God's stuff that we got by working hard, which he gave us. And he will test us. I believe God does the same thing with your family's income. He gives it to you to manage. And if you do it poorly, then you stumble around in darkness and in lack. Always struggling, never having enough. Last one, and then we're done. Number five, last stronghold. When it comes to giving to the church, love is the standard and nothing else. There is no other motive for giving than love. Here, what I've got is uh, a bill from the church. Okay, it's the church on here, and it's the bill. This is the one that we send out to you guys every week. It says, pay up, Christian so-and-so, for the last week of being at Canyon Ridge, you owe such and such. You guys been getting these bills in the mail every week, what you owe the church? What, nobody's gotten these? Oh, we don't send you a bill, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> We don't send you a statement saying you owe this much, you know. Give this much next week. This is what you owe. This is your part. We don't do that. We leave all of it to you. You decide. You decide in your heart what you're going to do. But you must understand this. The standard is love. And love only. Love only. Attitude matters to God. He cares about that. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul says that we should give willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully. 
Not with a bad attitude. Oh, I really don't want to give this money. I can't believe they're talking about money again. Oh, here comes another offering. You should just keep your money because if you give it, it produces nothing. God rejects it. He says, no, bad attitude, don't want it. You dishonor me with your attitude, your gift is nullified. You give willingly to honor the Lord. We give to Jesus because we love him. He's our savior. He's done everything for us, and we just want to give to bless him. We're giving to his kingdom. We're giving to change people's lives and advance the kingdom in this community, and our church is so vitally important to the health and life of our community, and we give to that, and we see God do amazing things. What would you say if I said on Sunday morning, you know what, there's a really famous cartel here, drug lord, he's here, and he's been struggling this month to get his cocaine into America, so we're going to take up an offering for him today. Would you give to that? We're not given to cartels, and some people act like we are. We're giving to Jesus. I heard this guy say one time, well, I don't trust that minister. I'm not giving him any money. Well, you got it all wrong. Give it to God or keep it. Or giving to Jesus. Or giving to Jesus. We give to Jesus so that the gospel can be advanced because it doesn't without money. It didn't in Jesus' day. It doesn't in our day. We give because that money changes people's lives. We give to Jesus because we love him. We're grateful. We're so grateful. We long to bring gifts and give to him. It's a joy. It's a joy. It's better to give than receive. It truly is. It brings great joy. So did we make it? Are we at the top of the fortress now? We crashed through every barrier, every stronghold. Are you still at the bottom thinking your money's your own? That's my money. I earned it. You're still at the bottom? Well, let's pray. And as we pray, I want to pray about Something very specific. Does listen, listen, listen to me here. This is important. Does your current giving record reflect your love for God? Because you say you love Him with all your heart, but you don't give anything. Those things don't match. Okay? One of those statements is false. Are you, second question, are you willing to accept God's principles as I have laid them out for you today? Yes or no? Yes, I accept this is true. No, I do not. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I did my best to share the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would Cause this to fall on hearts that are open to receive, to, 
to give because they love you. And I pray, Lord, that not a single person here feels obligated or pressured or coerced. That's not what this is about, Lord. We're not trying to get people's money. We want to get their heart. So, God, I pray that no person would leave here today thinking that all that guy up there with his Seahawks stuff wanted his money. Lord, I pray people would go away thinking, does my love for God match my giving? And you would inspire us to give so much that all the needs of the church would be met. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.